When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. During the spookiest time of the year, there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow. Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out alone. Boo! Welcome back, listeners. We are coming off the moors and into the New England woods with Day 18, Robert Edgar's 2015 The Witch, which... The v v v v v v itch. Yeah, yeah the, the double V itch. <laughs> this is Jamie Lansdowne, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. Cody Mason. Chris Boniello. Day 18, The Witch, which was... I think the beginning of the A24 horror period that we've been dealing with or enjoying, <laughs> I should say. <laughs> I enjoying. think we're dealing with it more than enjoying it. Yeah, enjoying it for the past, uh, I guess, six years now. And it is about a Puritan family in, in the early 1600s in New England that are excommunicated from their settlement and are forced to live in the, the wild. They set up camp a little rudimentary set of, uh, settlement of their own away from everyone in the else. V- 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 woods. Yeah, in the woods. And lo and behold, there's some spooky shit going on in the woods. Maybe a couple witches. Maybe the devil. And Who's to say? Who's to say? And yeah, things go awry very quickly. Actually, within the first 10 minutes. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm going to have to jump in there. You're going to say that it wasn't tusk that set off a24's horror <laughs> i actually was the tusk a24 film that's true wow i, I think i don't know I, i'm gonna go back to like what a, a, like fifth or sixth movie i like enemy a lot oh i love oh yeah it's spi- true there's true. a spider in You're it yeah. so lots of spiders lots of spiders yeah they were really mucking around with like some some b pluses for a while and then they st- Finally struck gold with 2016, I think. I, yeah, I don't want to deride them, but I, I, I'm i not deriding them all. I love I, I love A24. I love what they distribute, I should say. and But I, I guess it's funny. They're, a cur- they're curation. They're very, they're curation yes. They have a good eye and a good ear for this sort of stuff. Yeah. But I think specifically for horror, they've almost created their own subgenre, which is what I was trying to get at, really, which is these very slow, moody, expressionist expressionistic incredibly well shot uh, and well directed horror movies which are a little bit different from what nor like regular people i think are or like yeah. the general movie goer is expecting from a horror movie yeah they feel I, um, they all feel pretty in conversation with each other in terms of in tone and build i mean rewatching this reminded me so much of it comes at night and just kind of yeah a lot of it's very derivative of the witch you go from here you go to it comes at night you end up basically going all the way down to St. Maud that came out. And of course, a couple of years ago, you got one of Jamie Lansdowne's favorite all-time films, 
Slice, oh. which <laughs> you never thought we'd talk about again, oh, Jamie, but I thought I'd drop that. Yeah. Drop a slice of that. On I think about that. the potential of that movie and uh, yeah. Or what never, I never before Jamie and I sat down and been more disappointed. 70 minute movie. Pizza together. Yeah. And I, I will say I do also have the screenplay coffee table book for the witch, which so I've got I've gotten locked into the A24 uh, buy some stuff movement. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I've got the I've got the uh, beach towel. So, but even movies that aren't even a twenty four, they even feel like it follows is not an a twenty four movie, but it feels very much of the same like family. It's like they're that's why it feels like it's almost become this subgenre of horror films. Yeah, there was kind of a I feel like a conversation started in the you know mid two thousand tens with horror movies and this idea that I don't know I I don't like they. I feel like it's coined as like prestige horror, but it's not really prestige. It's more brooding and and just similar in tone with with some feeling of like elements from 70s horror kind of forgetting the 80s slasher stuff and going back to the end of the 60s psychological horror mixed with the zooms and slowness of 70s, but it's 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 definitely its own thing, but it's not I don't know. It doesn't I don't think it has prestige as a term makes sense. If I if I did a word chart of all of the four and a half star reviews for these movies, it would probably bump up a lot with expressionistic, <laughs> uncompromising, atmospheric, and you know maybe a couple other tonal triumphs. Tro- yeah, triumphs. <laughs> Singular and, and, uh, vision. Yeah, sing- it's a lot of auteuristic kind of feelings about there being a moodier, reflective, you know, very visually stylistic movie that is more about putting a sense of mood than and avoiding like jump scares at all costs and kind of being in conversation with the Blumhouse wave at the same time. Yeah. You know, and I think that's for the best, for the most part, we got like, especially a bunch of heaters from 2016 to 2018. And now, you know, you've got neon jumping in Magnolia. You've got a few other, you know, distributors that now kind of use that, especially in their trailer editing um, to try to match what A24 puts out is like, this is going to be a contemplative horror movie. And some of that ends up being really a bad distillation of things like The Witch. So it's fun to go back and watch this and be like, oh yeah, this was its this was in its pure form and, then, and it's had its copies, but this is still really fun as a piece removed from context. Yeah, I mean, we've been speaking very broadly, but to just... Uh... Uh, narrow it and just focus on this this film i agree like like you said like prestige horror it can be a little thrown around a lot this film certainly lives up to that title like it is a really it is all of those words that we were kind of jokingly saying like it is a singular vision robert eggers like i think he spent several years researching everything about this film and all of the costumes and the settings and the dialogue is all very much about immersing you in this world. And one thing I wanted to talk about is that I remember like seeing the trailers for this film and this is before that whole wave of those these types of films and being very excited, but specifically excited because it is this period piece. And I was like, it's almost like wish fulfillment. Like I've been like really wanting to see a film. It was a horror film and was approaching it with a level of respect and seriousness. And when I saw this, I was like, wow, I am so ready to see this movie. And when I saw it, it even it blew me away specifically because I remember going in and thinking and maybe you guys had this thought that 
I thought they were going to play more with like the ambiguity and it was going to be like, oh, like maybe they're all they're they're kind of, you know, they're they're so superstitious. Like, is the witch going to be real? Are they going to play around with that? A little take shelter in it. Yeah. Like stuff where it's like there's a little bit more vague, uh, you know, it's a little. This isn't a Colin Trevorrow picture. (laughs) Yeah. Like there's more. It grinds up a baby at minute. Yeah. And that's what I want to get to is that I think there's something about period pieces and I think what is so brilliant about this film is that, yeah, within 10 minutes, it basically says the witches do exist. The devil exists. <laughs> Presumably <laughs> God exists right away. And I think there is something that I think going into it, and I think a lot of period pieces that are sort of like this, is that there's almost a um, a condescension, like the viewer has a condescension of the characters within the film. Because we are, we're like, oh, we're in the modern era, we're sitting and we're like, oh, we're of course the devil doesn't exist. Of course, witches don't exist. And I think there's like a removal of that um, when it plays it more ambiguously because you're kind of thinking from yourself like, well, these things don't exist. They're just being superstitious and they're going to they're gonna burn Anna Taylor-Joy at the end of this movie and it's going to be this horrible tragedy because they thought she was a witch and she yeah. wasn't. But by saying in 10 minutes in, oh, witches do exist, you're immediately immersed within the film even farther because... Oh, like these characters in the film already believe witches exist undoubtedly. Like they're like the devil exists, God exists, witches exist. So I think like that for me was the biggest twist almost. And it was just like a small thing, but just like. Yeah. How little this ended up looking like the crucible. Yeah, exactly. You you obviously have that crucible in the back of your head where you're just you're focusing on that paranoia element. And that's like still in the film, but you and the characters are now on the same page of, oh, these things exist and we have to be afraid of them. Yeah, and I think one of the things that struck me this viewing is especially the religious argument that you're getting at, Jamie, that helps you relate with puritanical characters. I think like relating with puritanical characters is nigh on impossible when they have the values they have, especially when we're all, you know, just godless heathens over here, you know, away from our Catholic upbringing. But I think the biggest thing- I mean, I just purchased a house with a woman I'm not married to. (laughs) <laughs> well, we'll burn you at the stake later. But I think the the one conversation that really struck me this time is, you know, this their their child is their youngest baby child taken by the witch in a routine game of peekaboo. You know, it happens all the time, which is a great scene and very trailer-esque. But I think the the coolest conversation that kind of made me start thinking is like the implications of he's killed and unbaptized. And they're having this horrendous conversation about like, oh, this unbaptized baby got killed. He's in hell. So let's mourn him all the more. And this movie really begs the question of like, well, if you're setting the table stakes of there being witches that can use flight ointment (laughs) based off the devil, maybe that theology is correct in this universe. And that baby is in hell. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's always fun in these kind of movies to be like what this movie is presupposing is puritanical god exists (laughs) puritanical holy spirit is guiding people in direction and that kind of makes it so that when characters make decisions and when anya taylor joy eventually makes her final decision in the movie it's like oh there's a weight to this that isn't just like oh okay this is you know maybe there is magic maybe it relates to something that isn't like no this is the point of view that we're taking and it makes every decision a lot more relatable even though it's 16,000 or 1600s. Yeah, like it allows us to be empathetic in a way we probably wouldn't have been otherwise. And that just having those stakes set up that early and like removing the doubt that no, this is all real just allows you to fully kind of 
relate to the characters that much yeah. more. And it lets you kind of trust them and listen to their language without, like you said, being condescending towards them. I feel like to immerse you in this using language that, I mean, I don't know how the Puritanicals actually spoke, you know, Puritan spoke, but uh, it's it seems similar and of that tone. So it you immediately believe them and you trust them and you don't laugh at it or make yourself feel more intelligent than them. I didn't, I didn't remember that you see the witch that early in it. I thought you see her later in the woods as they're hunting. Um, but I, yeah, this one, I was like, oh, oh, we do, we do roll right into this thing. Like, got a big old boot. And then, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, those, I remember from the first, wa- first watch, like there was some weird berries or something. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. That's, that's baby. Yeah. Baby. That's, Ground up baby. Not, it was not berries. You're thinking of the Hunger Games. Yes. Uh, <laughs> very similar film. Yeah, I think it's just a really interesting ride to go down when you start to mesh all of the decision making of characters that, you know, removed from having their point of view of the world confirmed, you know, like would be horrendous. Like I think one scene that really struck out to me just to finish this line of thought is like the dad, Ralph Ineson who plays this very stoically brilliantly is like a puritanical purist yeah. <laughs> to be, to put a double, you know, to put paprika on paprika there. Um, I think he, you know, ends up having his, you know, sins of pride or whatever era moments, but his big scene in, you know, breaking down is like whether or not he should just kill parts of his family that he's pretty sure are witches. And it's like in a movie, like, any other movie you'd be saying okay this father has gone insane but you're mixed too you're like yeah maybe you should kill your children because if this is all theologically correct yeah i guess <laughs> that's what you do yeah. you know which is horrendous it takes you down this really weird thinking where like all of the rules of how family dynamics in horror movies work go out the window if you're like literally confirmed to be fighting the devil and certain members of your family might have given up their soul to the devil against you like it kind of you know it's not like the shining adds to the frenzy of this yeah, yeah. it's not like yeah you're you're on danny torrance's side you're like, yeah or you're not on um jack torrance's side <laughs> in the shining yeah, you're like yeah. he's got an well, axe he's got what <laughs> he's got an axe he's just gone leave crazy. him alone yeah, yeah. and on this no. on this viewing i was way more in the camp of like we should probably kill the twins. Like they are. Oh, I was about to say the twins. We we need to talk about the twins because the twins are my favorite part of this movie by seven foot. They're amazing. I think they are the best cast children in a movie of the last 15 years. They are the most annoying individuals I've ever seen on celluloid. And I think they do play up a pretty ambiguous role. I think it's been all but confirmed that they uh, aren't necessarily like, really down to clown with the witch um but they have this fun line of being playful children that may or may not also be conspiring against their family with black philip and may or may not be ground up at the end that lets everybody fly but in the meantime they're just perfect ass yeah (laughs) they're like god's perfect assholes on this earth. well in that scene and in that scene while william the father is like confessing his sins of pride and asking for his children to be forgiven he talks about them being too young to understand their sins and that i don't know how the puritan religion really would have worked but if there was some sort of confirmation or some sort of bar mitzvah or something that comes as you reach adulthood the puritan bar yeah mitzvah. as you reach adulthood they hadn't <laughs> gotten there that yet, one. so they still have the naivete of of children so they're you know they're playing fast and loose and, and bouncing around and 
and no one has time to really pay attention to them. But they're they're, they're introduced singing a song, basically saying Black Philip has a crown or something. So there's immediately suspicion, yeah. especially on rewatch. Like hearing something, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that like Black Philip has at least been talking to them because they've learned these words somewhere. Who knows? But like, do you think that they turn into the flying white men at the end? They're being I hope burned so. and grounded because <laughs> they disappear. I and just like the baby, I think so. And that's my favorite part of the movie is that. <laughs> They end up getting ground up, but um, I mean, I think they use all all those bodies, but I don't know. I don't know if it's child specific. You need for the ointment. Okay, fine. I just want the, <laughs> I want the twins to die. I, I mean, they definitely die. <laughs> yeah, I think they're dead. I um, whether they're flying ointment, I do remember. I remember hearing that there was something about witches. It had to be like an unbaptized baby for the flying yeah, ointment. Maybe, I mean, I'm assuming those twins, they were certainly old enough to have been baptized, especially in that society. Which begs the question, Fine. which begs the question also, why didn't Ralph Innocent, uh, gravelly voiced and majestic as he is, why didn't he just wait to be, get the baby born and baptized before throwing a fit? Like, come on, like you're going out in the woods, like wait for your child to get baptized. If these before, are the stakes for unbaptized yeah. children. You think about yeah. that immediately. <laughs> That's like cutting the umbilical And it was a bit vague about how he was, it was presumably some sort of belief, like he was too Puritan, correct? I guess like he he had some like stubborn belief that they had, I guess, moved away from in their society. He makes a jab about it later, about the silver chalices that they had and the robes. So I think he, he doesn't like the materialism that the church had become in the plantation. Yeah. He's because I mean, like Puritans are all about the Anglican Church's reliance on Catholic idolatry and like all of the pomp and circumstance of that Protestant religion not being Protestant enough. So I think it's all this like Rousseau return to nature in Ineson's character to be like, we just got to be basic. (laughs) We just got to have a goat. Yeah. And nothing else and no chalices. But yeah, I think that that's just like one element, of course, of this film is like there. It's all I know some of it is like background, like. A, you can hardly even understand what half the characters are saying sometimes because it's so. It's a subtitle movie. It's a definite yeah. subtitle. The oh, I don't watch those very... <laughs> You just gotta no, you gotta let I'm it wash over queen. you. The second I will, I'm a subtitle queen. By the third time, you'll you understand it. It took it took two times to be like, okay, when this movie opens, I'm gonna figure out what's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you miss some good stuff like when when people are possessed. I think if you don't, but yeah, I think that's that speaks to a lot of the the like. This isn't just an atmospheric piece like this is a labor of love that so much attention is given to the type, the background of puritanical belief at that time that can feed this very particular story very well. That otherwise could have been a very generalized story where it's just like olden times, a witch, you know, and they probably don't like witches, whereas this feels like very lived in in the conversations and the heightened tensions of their beliefs mixed with the you know the monster outside the door feel like oh okay i can wow i'm really fully removed this veneer of this being a period piece and this feels like just like if there was a slasher knocking at the door in 2021 you know and i think that's what's so great and most people don't really recognize that as much about this movie compared to its tone and the way it's shot and you know color grading and all that kind of stuff but you know, I'm glad it's not lost on this tree. We, we're team Puritan. Oh, yeah, we're all for yeah. it. We're all for it. And hashtag pro Puritan. I mean, you know? this going into the kind of theme of the podcast, this is like full on tone of Halloween. 
this is what I imagine early Halloweens were like. Where you're just like, yeah, this shit is real and we got to deal with it. <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's kind of I mean, like, obviously, we did Sleepy Hollow before, which is also, you know, related to a very classic folktale, atmospheric Sleepy Hollow. This isn't set in Salem, but anything like Puritan and 1600s conjures up images of Salem. So there's obviously that connection. It certainly fits in with it. It's definitely a heavy hitter of Halloween movies. I think it's a new classic, I would say. And I, it's certainly one of the best horror movies that come out in the past 10 years. It's probably one of the best horror movies ever made, honestly, at least speaking for myself. I mean, everyone in it is pretty <laughs> amazing, too. The acting across the board is great. Just like... I, I feel like it's so hard sometimes to pull off accents like this without hitting moments where you just start laughing or you're like, what is going on? I'm totally lost. And everyone is locked in on here, except maybe the twins aren't locked in, but I love <laughs> the twins are locked. <laughs> yeah. In, you know? And I think the, the nice thing about this is it English actors, obviously, but it still feels very American. Mm-hmm. It still feels very, you know, pre-colonial, so to speak, or, you know, I guess colonial, but pre what we would consider colonial times. Mm-hmm. And I think that's to get back to the Halloween point of it all. Like we said this in Sleepy Hollow, you know, whether it's Salem or whether it's this, you know, that very contextualized like Puritans versus witches, us being so pure that everything out in the woods or the unknown is so impure. And the American nature of Halloween, I think really meshes well together. Like that's kind of the foundation of, you know, finally letting loose and dressing up as something wicked, you know, is, is the taboo that I think is the repressed part of Halloween. That's (laughs) repressed. Yeah. So I think this is a really good foundational note to be like, yeah, if you're thinking about scary festivals and, you know, attachments to the spookiness of nature in America, it goes back to this puritanical Mm -hmm. relationship with the woods, with your religion and that's all Halloween is. Yeah. So, I mean, this is this is quintessential. Yeah. This is like full, full, you know, distilled way. Speaking of like repression is the, you know, the titular witch. Which one? Yeah, exactly. Oh. Which one? Uh, you know, Thomason, Anya Taylor-Joy, ATJ. Who is blown up? This is like her breakout role. Has she done anything since this? <laughs> no, she's like uh, the new. I, she's the new. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Jesus. Oh yeah, uh, that, that's a good. That's a good one, right? <laughs> yeah, she's she's pretty. She's the new uh, Hunger Game girl. What's her name? Uh, J Law. Yeah, she she feels like the new Jennifer Lawrence. Like she's blown up to the degree, especially after the Netflix show where she's everywhere. I feel now, um, and she really yeah. brings it in this film. I mean, she was. I don't know how. She's got a very distinct look. Very distinct pe- look. I think people were like, is this a fluke? Because she just has this visage yeah, her, that could be directed. Her well eyes are for just getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> right. So she's proved herself to have do character work since this and not just be kind of frightful and, and full eyed. So I think she's one of our better younger actresses on the scene definitely and i mean the carry i mean she's really carrying a ton of weight of the film on her shoulders like you know all, all the you know there is a bit of an ensemble piece but her brother and her parents but it really is like her film that she is pushing forward and she's the one that you know at the end of the movie is carrying all the weight and undergoes yeah. a transformation and as we talked about um repression i mean there is like a kind of a fem- feminist angle to this film where she is sort of resigned to this role and by the end of the movie she's on before she gets 
witched, they're going to sell her off essentially to some other family to help pay for their debts and like their despair and all this. And or the mother's also accusing her of bewitching people. They kind of almost ironically push her into being a witch. Yeah. Well, her brother also has an incest crush on her. Which yeah, yeah. And there is a little bit of thing like with the and father that's a little weird. And then, yeah, yeah, and then everyone gets mom. killed. I feel like if I yeah, had to kill yeah. my mom, I would go I would go evil. Like at that point you don't you don't apologize for that. Well, what what's she going to do? You know, she's What's she going to do? It's like, know, well, I guess I could just starve to death. <laughs> I mean, the devil literally has butter. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good promise. And apples apparently. Yeah, I think this was the first time that I've watched that I watched it kind of back to back in 2016. Haven't watched it in full sense. And I think this was the first time I really got to pay attention to the other actors in this movie even more so because anytime she's on screen, you're just kind of like, oh, that's Anya Taylor-Joy. Mm-hmm. You know? But back when I saw this first time, she just completely holds this movie so well for a teenager that mm-hmm. you're kind of blown away. So in a way, I just kind of took her for granted for the first time and was able to really enjoy the other role. I mean, the twins obviously are the f- number one and number two people in my heart. <laughs> you know who you are, number one. Yeah. Um, but this was this was fun to be able to see how other people are putting butter on the roles too. Especially Ralph. I was I was very pleased watching Ralph's this great. again, knowing yeah. that he's about to be the Green Knight at the time of recording. Another moody. And Kate Dickey's in the Green Guinevere in the Green Knight as well. Right. So a little yeah, reunions. Everybody made yeah, this it. Is yeah. a, and then there's a little bit of Game of Thrones reunion going on here. Sure. Oh, yeah. They're all in there. What's uh, What are the twins play? <laughs> well, I was going to say, if those are your one and two, personally, my number one is Black Phillip. <laughs> no, Black Phillip... Uh, you know, Gr- this time great go good acting. <laughs> I had remembered Black Philip having a shot of Black Philip when Black Philip was speaking, and it actually doesn't happen. Yeah, and I'm, I was a little sad. I, I was a little. Well, sad. I wanted to talk about that scene specifically because that, to me, is my favorite scene because it could have oh, so yeah. easily gone wrong. And I remember when I first watching it, I was like, "Please do not show the goat talking," because I was just like, "Do not ruin wow. this." so strange that we have opposite instincts i could have swore cody i'm with you i could have swore there was like a moment where the head is turning a telepathic yeah yeah the head is turning and he's speaking but the mouth isn't moving and the goat just doing that kind of goat stare where you you're not sure i just want or i just want the fox saying chaos (laughs) yeah (laughs) i yeah that scene i think is just incredible because it's this moment you're probably right no i I, (laughs) because i really think because it sets up and at this point, you you already believe in this stuff, but it 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 extends the moment to such a degree where you're almost second guess, like it's not gonna talk, and then it does, and you're like, holy shit! And then I was like, please do not show. You the wouldn't goat. download a car, and then to show this, like you wouldn't smush a baby. <laughs> and then I love like the transition to like this. You don't really see him, but it's just this man in this like opulent uh, robe and like these boots with spurs on them. And it's got that quiet voice. And I mean, that just sealed the deal for me. It's hot. I was already it's in, I was already scene. like a haul in the movie the entire time. But I remember that scene just like took it to another level. And obviously the yeah. famous line, like would thou like to live deliciously. It's just incredible. And apparently taken from like a real, a real book, like, or some sort of manuscript about the devil. So that's what he would ask. That's what you. Yeah, that's what you would say. <laughs> and then I, I mean, oh, yeah, I do, I talk, I do I like the return that. of uh, the return of Caleb too, where you're like, Catherine hints at it, like, well, you know, the the devil will make promises and can speak in scriptures and tongues, so he might not have been seeing Jesus. And then you see him at the end, you're like, ooh, so no one's no one's really ended up where they think they're going in this one. 
Yeah. And I always like that. I brought that up in, in possession movies we've talked about where it's like, I always think it's super high stakes when, again, you're told like this theology is correct. There's no doubt, you know, and then you're being told like we are fighting for his soul and it's not really based off <laughs> his choice or decisions. It's just like we took it. We took the soul. It's not even based off of if you were a good person anymore. I always think that's really creepy. And I always think it's funny to look back at things like Caleb and be like, was he, you know, dying and he's fine and he's sleeping with Jesus, so to speak, which sounds creepy, but is in the movie. And then or is he just like in hell now because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time? I like to think he's in heaven. I don't no, know. He, sure. he lusted. He lusted after his sister and then made out with a witch. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. At the ending, well, the, the ending just uh, he has that weird like, I mean, it's almost intentionally like sexual like this like orgasmic like i love you jesus like i don't know it felt yeah it's noble passion it almost felt to me that i don't know from all my years in catholic school everyone (laughs) who reacted like that it usually turned out to be the wrong person Uh, true he did vomit up an apple so that was obviously you only took that one bite (laughs) but i don't know jesus didn't give much pleasure fish some bread but Pleasure no butter. Ointment. No butter. No butter. Ointment. <laughs> Just saying ointment. Um, flying ointment. I want to know the history of that. I, w- I, need, I need to dig deeper into, is that a thing that Eggers found in, you know, old books and things that people wrote that there might be ointment Number used? one. Yeah. No, or number one offer of butter. And people are like, what the fuck? Yeah. Are you kidding? No, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think any. I think everything is very much as close to manuscripts about witchcraft and about the time period. So like, like I said, the, um, the line live deliciously is from something like that was written down around that time yeah. period, the ointment. And I think it's in the screenplay is that they actually riding on broomsticks. Um, and I think they removed it cause it might've looked a little too silly. And I think there is something yeah, a little one more shot with like the, the weird, yeah, the you know, moon focal and, length yeah. of her going into the moon. It's kind of implied. It's under. But I, I, yeah. in my mind, it's like, oh, this is this might be where broomsticks evolve from, but it's just a literal stick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like th- that's the thing is that all these things, you know, it's all just. I saw broomsticks. <laughs> it has. I saw Black Phillip talk. I mean, she didn't really thing. clean that hovel that well. I don't know why she would need a broomstick anyway. <laughs> I th- I think it's more for direction and steering. It, it just true, it just true. gives you it gives you something to hold on to. It's right. for cleaning up all the baby. You know, yeah, true, true. I, I did want to emphasize one bit of trivia that I found out. I know that the the hot witch is played by a model actress who looks like a model actress, but the hovel witch, pumpkinhead style witch, mm. is played by an actress whose name is literally Bathsheba. Get out. And I'm super into that. <laughs> That's insane. I, uh, she should have gotten like single title card credit. Did she do her own makeup or did she need it? Like? I think she I don't think she was even paid for the film. Wow. I think she just It was doc was it was there. a documentary found. Oh yeah, yeah it's Bathsheba. Yeah. She lives in the woods. Beth Let's go Sheba, shoot a yeah, few scenes. She's <laughs> making a pumpkin head right now. You go over and talk to her. My other uh but about like old traditions there there's like another crazy thing that like um witches would like kiss the ass of satan and if you've ever seen that hexon or i don't know how you pronounce it that old 1920s silent film about witchcraft the folklore around it folk stories and the superstitions around it which the film is obviously drawing from and very accurately describing and like stylistically in a sense like maybe losing the the broomsticks because it wasn't as it might have looked a little silly. And I think there's something more visceral about women just 
kind of floating in the air with yeah. nothing beneath them, especially at the end scene where it's just very, very like the visual of them just kind of writhing and floating in the air, I thought was very impressive. Chris, I think Jamie's a witch. I mean, I'm, I'm looking, <laughs> I know a lot about I'm it. looking yeah. at some early witch stuff here and it, it, it looks like early on listed ingredients of witch ointment are the fat of children digged out of their graves, the juice of smallage wolfbane and foil. Always wolf mingled with fine wheat. Snape's getting involved, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they've got it. There's a great painting by Goya that has a the very much looks like the exact witch we're dealing with in this guy. And um, for such like moody atmosphere taken from kind of these paintings and and works, it's it is very well grounded, and I think that's what lets you just accept some of these things where you're watching maybe a broomstick, maybe fat child ointment. I don't know, but you're just like yeah. That's what's going on. Yeah. Someone did their homework. Yeah, it has it has a very, you know, tactile feel to to everything that's happening and not until the very end get ungrounded. Hey, <laughs> you know, but I think the, you know, the actual feel of, you know, a goat eviscerating someone or really, you know, mashing up a child in a, you know, churn, like all of these things are are very much you could feel the wood of your fingers under your fingers kind of thing. And I think that mm-hmm. is definitely to its benefit where a lot of supernatural movies take a conjuring event or something like that. It just feels very spirit attack. You know, it's very, <laughs> it almost ends up feeling like a dragon ball Z episode where you're just like, I got hit with the spirits and now I'm flying. You know, it's like damage doesn't really matter. You know, like your body's relationship to the world goes out the window. Cause it's just like spirits are attacking in this one. It's like, yeah, like there's Satan, but he's a goat and he'll stab you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's and I like that, you know, feeling of just like you're still a human being in the world and you can, you know, have an actual relationship to physical contact as much as I'm putting a very fine point on this. I think it heightens the tension a lot more than when you have these like the conjuring threes where you're just getting thrown around by demons. But once the demon leaves your body, you'll be fine. You'll walk home. Like, I, I think this is a departure from that mm-hmm. in a lot of movies like it coming out at the same yeah. time. Yeah, and it is such a, like, that goat goring is such a visceral kill, and that's the one kind of jump scare in the movie that it just works so well. It's, you know, that morning after he's like, what the fuck is going on in my little goat barn? And then just, bam. Yeah. Goat horns to the side. Got his goat. <laughs> yeah. Quotes the book of Joe. It's just good, you know, just a little... One for all the lovers out there. <laughs> Quote the book of Job for all the fans, you know. But I think he uh, he carried this movie a lot more than I thought he did on this watch. So I was very proud of Ralph really just being a whole well-rounded character. Because I think I was so immersed by all of the the stylistic elements back when this came out before it was so ubiquitous to see a lot of those things attempted that I lost Track of the performances. Mm-hmm. I know Chris mentioned this earlier, but I was very pleased to see that, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm f- I'm laughing because I'm remembering the twins or whatever. But everybody who's in this really, you know, has this group commitment to making this feel yeah. real mm-hmm. and making this feel like it's a true puritanical family that is communicating how they would. And with a sympathy, you know, where they're not playing it up or playing it yeah. broad mm-hmm. they're playing it like i want to have grounded relationship to my character and my character's wants and needs and that's a puritan who only cares about the lord who's in whose soul is in crisis so everybody being crazy 
and at their most frenetic makes sense, you know, as opposed to a lot of other horror movies where it's just like, I don't know anything about this person. They're just screaming. <laughs> I mean, this movie just, it wears it on its sleeve and it keeps telling you, you have Mercy, the one, one of the twins, the female twin, who's, she's my number one <laughs> early, early on when they're, down at the river and she i i didn't remember her whole little speech about like the witch flying on her stick and and banging into other branches and that's so good and then she's like yeah i've i've walked down there i've, I've seen her she's down by the Clickety river clack, she's got this clack. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those moments where like in an in a modern horror movie the entire audience will be watching being like you gotta tell someone tell someone and and it's it has a similar structure to horror that you're used to where there's one character who's like hey this stuff is going on and everyone else is like, no, it's fine. And so Thomason doesn't, doesn't say anything till it's way too late. Well, she, she fibs, <laughs> but then, yeah, she, you know, she, well, she, she pretends she kind she's of, a witch. Yeah. She, she pretends her own shot. Yeah. She calls, that's, that's a good way of putting it. She basically foretells what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, I'm the witch. Oh yeah. I signed the book. Oh, you know, the, the, the goat killed everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I got free butter. Yeah. Sure. You know, really hung up on that if you can't tell that is something i forgot i didn't realize how how how, how easy it is to get a puritan with some she's butter. pretty much <laughs> sold on giving her soul you can see it in her eyes like when he's like would you like butter and she's like well so there is a little bit yeah. of uh, you know coercion going on and yeah I, we're in the devil's advocate boardroom I don't know if that counts, <laughs> yeah and i do i do like that it isn't presented as the goat that it you know blackfield becomes this kind of dark shadowy figure behind her and you see the the shoes go by and the hat and it's 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 much like more grounded like we keep saying than if if it could have been if it went yeah it could have been been like a think it has yeah (laughs) well it could have been like a baphomet or whatever what's that thing called yeah baphomet baphomet like or like a big red devil but it's like i like that it is it may maybe this is the part that's a little bit of a detraction from it because I think most depictions of the devil are of like him sort of as a monstrous figure, um, but to present him as just like a beautiful man and you never see his face, but I think a, I've seen like photos like behind the scenes and it's like the most handsome man in the world basically playing this guy. Yeah, I'm looking so at like they, this guy right yeah, now. He's, yeah, he's I I would follow. Security. Him. I would sign whatever book yeah. he wants me to. Yeah, I'd take his butter. Yeah. no problem. But uh, I mean, I guess to wrap up, I mean, th- like we said, like this movie, we've th- it's it's been talked about. It's obviously like a, a favorite among a lot of people, and I think we we picked it because it really is just a a perfect movie to watch around Halloween time. And I think at this point in the film or in the playlist, we're going we're kind of sticking in the woods. You know, our next film is also in the woods, just across the sea. I'm looking forward it's to it. It's into the woods, sorry, <laughs> Meryl Streep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, any- and I think it's really cool to just reflect on this and think like at the time of seeing it, it had this impact where you're like, this is either going to be a cult movie that I'm going to really like, or this is going to start a new chapter of how things are going to look. And I think it's really cool to look back now. The only other movie that I could think about that where I had similar reaction in the last 10 years was another A24 movie, Under the Skin, 
where yep. I thought like, oh, this is the direction sci we're going to do weird sci-fi the same way we're doing weird horror now. And we haven't gotten that as much of a wave because I think that's less marketable, but it's really cool to sit through something and, and know as you're watching it, like this is fresh, 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 and it's going to leave this really indelible impact, you know, while you're still trying to figure out what's going to happen in the movie, knowing the consequence it's going to have is cool. And I think it's fun to watch now and be like, oh, yeah, like a lot of these things happen all the time now, but I'm happy they're happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd also know, say like they're, the, they're better trends. The score in this is is very, very well done. It's a lot of atypical sounding instruments. It's not there isn't. Yeah, it's a lot of instruments that sound. There isn't. Sure. <laughs> there isn't. Uh, you know concise melodies and anything there's no none of the kind of current trend we're dealing with where everything throws it back to 70s 80s synth stuff and it's kind of brooding this is very maybe of the time i don't know what instruments would actually be in the 1630s or whatever but it it feels grounded and within the world it reminds me of like a a bit of a johnny greenwood there will be blood where it's 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 rhythmic but it's the instrumentation is kind of all over the place yeah syncopation it doesn't very yeah it doesn't really have like yeah. a melody it's almost just like it's very atmospheric which obviously draws you in and there's no like the brackets and the yeah. subtitles would say ominous <laughs> dissonant tones it's not like too try watching bell. it without the yeah. subtitles you gotta, you gotta <laughs> i'm just telling you, just yeah. telling it, you it's no two viewer hey, bells no one's whistling the the witch score it's not like it doesn't stick in your head in the way that it's like yeah, uh, yeah an earworm no, but no it definitely things. sticks with you because you're like no it falls yeah exactly it's just washing yeah. over you and it's putting you in this this headspace of the wood is out to get me the witches are out to get me hey we're we're so bewitched that a crow could be biting our nipple <laughs> yeah well because there is i mean in the early scene of the witch with the baby being i guess mortar and pestle mashed potato yeah. oh yeah there is yeah there is the there's there's like kind of the sound and i'm like oh is percussion that, is that the soundtrack is that some music is that baby i'm gonna i'm gonna stick in my mind to music but i'm not seeing it <laughs> i thought about that yeah. too i remember thinking like I'm, I'm, i think they never really quite reveal if it's part it, of the music yeah because it goes it kind of goes in and out sometimes it yeah. lines up sometimes yeah. it doesn't the world's squishiest drum <laughs> you know but <laughs> Well, I'm excited for our next pick. I think that this is stands on its own legs now as a as a horror great. But I think that our next pick, uh, Jamie and I both will be gushing and we'll have a special guest again because we think that this is a very underrated horror great that we hope to evangelize a little bit for. So and it will be my first time along. seeing it. So I'm very oh, yeah. excited. Yeah. Well, it's just going to be me, Jamie, and our special guest yelling at Chris, <laughs> how much did you like the movie? <laughs> pretty much. So, pretty much. It'll yeah. be a blast for him. But, uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be staying in the woods for that one. So We'll see you tomorrow. I'm going to have some butter. How about you guys? Ooh. Oh, what's your favorite? What's delicious. your favorite butter? Quick, delicious. Quick. Where's your brand? What's your butter brand? Kerrygold's, I guess. Oh, you're going you Kerrygold. I'm going Kate's of Maine. Kate's of Maine. They should make a Black Phillip butter. Oh, I'm, A24 yeah. should do that. Three of us way. look at each other, yeah, yeah. see dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. There you go. Let's do it before we, we have to mail it to ourselves. From Goat Now available for free shipping. <laughs> yeah. Black Phillip butter, fresh from our New York apartment. Yeah. You, just get, you just get punched in the gut and then you can eat it. Yeah. yeah. We just get we just need a goat, guys. A goat and some strainers. There's a there's a Job quote on every record. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we'll see you tomorrow. Go, uh, go get buttered up. Bye. See you, listeners. Peace. Bye.